T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. And as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. After five four. Okay. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are in the world, this is Grant Cameron, and I'm with my assistant, Nicole Sackage. And we're just going to do a little chit-chat tonight. We're going to be like um, the uh, latest Bledsoe podcast where we're just going to sort of talk back and forth and laugh and uh, go wow <laughs> and and just talk about a couple of things that have happened. We've followed, you and I have followed um, a lot of the controversy with TTSA, mm-hmm. with uh, Richard Doty, with uh, all this uh, government. People figure there's going to be government disclosure and this sort of stuff. And there's been a couple of interviews that uh, were released that we're going to talk about the one tonight, and maybe tomorrow or Sunday, we'll talk about the other one. Uh, the one we'll talk about tonight is um, an interview that's just done with Jim Semivan and yeah. with Tom DeLong. Now, I wrote a book called Managing Magic, and mm-hmm. in there I refer to Tom DeLong as one of the five messiahs, and uh, that he had um, he did have a very a key part to the to the whole setting up what's going on now, the disclosure thing, where he sets up in 2015. And in the interview that was aired last night, um, he and Jim Semivan get on there and they talk. So I want to talk to you and get your opinion on what you thought was significant in this interview, because we've been following them. And I think you and I have a little bit of an insight because Jim Semivan has not talked to anybody in the UFO community or anybody done any interviews, except for Melinda Leslie. And you and I are friends with Melinda, and we got her on the panels to tell the story about what Jim was saying. And maybe it's nobody took uh, Jim seriously, or Melinda seriously, about what Jim was telling. And now Jim's gone on this other show with this uh, Keating guy. And now suddenly everybody's all excited about uh, Jim Semivan. But Jim Semivan has been talking indirectly to us for three years now. Yeah. And so uh, the interview, you watched the interview with uh, Tom DeLong. maybe give a little synopsis for people of, of um, who did the interview and, and, and what this was all about. It was uh, streamed live. This was Dr. Keating's podcast. And I think it's just called Dr. Keating. Um, I could look it up real quick, but I think it's interesting because, you know, he has a, he's an, an astronomer in a heavy scientific background um, well-respected in the field. And all of a sudden he's kind of started this podcast and he's interested in kind of this fringe science and where it could lead physics. And it seems like he's got all these behind the scenes connections and 
it, it's really a good show for being a young show. And the people who collaborate with him also have some podcasts. Like I'm um, drawing a blank on his name, but his podcast is called The Theory of Everything. And I, I follow both of them. They're, they have a great back and forth. But so Dr. Keating has kind of made news in our community because of Avi Loeb's Galileo Project. And Dr. Keating has just joined that project as well. So it's kind of like we, we've been begging for these scientists to come into the community and now they kind of are. So I think it's, I think it's a good thing to have people like DeLong and Semi Van talking on shows like this, even though they haven't spoken to our community directly yet or us on our panel discussions but we have had melinda and i'll throw in just my one little dig um jim semi van and melinda or melinda talking about jim semi van on our panel discussion has been the one and only edit that i've ever ever made wow. <laughs> to one of my recordings and that's when we were having our disclosure discussion and lo and behold, Jim Semivan called Melinda oh, yeah. in the middle of our panel and she flashed her phone and I edited it out so nobody could get his home phone number. <laughs> but that was proof in of itself, you know, I mean, just to a lot of people, they were like, oh, he's actually, yep, she's on the phone with him during the panel. <laughs> like, it was so funny. <laughs> so... And he's and he's a key guy. One thing I'd like to bring up to start here is um, you hear you and I follow the well, you followed it more than me, the Twitterverse, where, you know, there's all this uh, infighting and stuff like that. And it's like, what happened to TTSA? They've all fallen apart. They're all collapsed and, and everybody's deserted them. And did you get the impression with me that, no, it didn't seem like much had fallen apart where he said there's there's more people than they can handle. All these government people want to join them. And they haven't got room for them. And so to me, I think that was one of the things that immediately stood out to me was everybody thinks uh, TTSA is in total array, disarray. It's collapsed. There's nothing left right. of it. And when you see Jim Semivan and him talking, it's like, no, no, they're still going ahead and uh, everything's going just fine. I think, I don't know if, if everybody's maybe tired of the excuse of COVID, but TTSA is a business and it did affect a small business. I mean, it's, it's ties, it's linked. And they explained that tonight in the interview very well. I think, you know, their work with the army, there's only X amount of funding. Anytime things get moved around, this is a back burner funded thing. So they're kind of waitlisted right now, but what they had in place was the merchandise and the books and the entertainment side so they're going to push forward with that and it sounds like they'll be back in the game as soon as we all reach that new normal it doesn't sound to me like they're pulling back in any way it sounds to me like they've kind of been riding out this wave like every other business has so you know, the other thing that they pointed out was um, the separation of Elizondo and Mellon, where mm -hmm. everybody says, oh, they 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 ditched him, Tom DeLong, they took off. And both of them were very um, cordial to the fact that they wanted to do other things. And that's sort of the story right. that 
that Elizondo was told is he wasn't into an entertainment. And because of COVID, I think DeLong pointed out, they couldn't do everything at the same time. So you can't, right. you know, be building flying saucers and doing the stuff. So they had already had the, the, the film stuff going. So they mm -hmm. decided to go with the film stuff and that Elizondo had left to do other things which right. is his version of the story, which is different than the Twitterverse. The Twitterverse, it's like uh, they abandoned this thing and uh, Tom DeLonge went down in flames and this sort of stuff. And I think it, to me, I, I was very impressed with the interview in terms of uh, what they what they say. Were you impressed with the thing? I because really was. I mean, and I think this is like the big thing in the Twitterverse. It's like so much is taken out of context or only one little blurb of something is shared. So it was nice to hear Tom DeLong be able to speak in sort of a long format form, you know, not somebody quoting him, you know, this was straight from his mouth. And he got to say those little nuances, like, these are my personal thoughts. I'm not speaking for TTSA, which, you know, it's like, he's almost trained to know, like, if he doesn't say things like that, that's what's going to be controversial or that's what the Twitterverse will go crazy about, which, you know, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. We love the Twitterverse because they're so excited and they're hanging on every word. And then we hate the Twitterverse because it's so ruthless. <laughs> yeah. They're sort of filling the blanks all the time. They, when, when something, when mm -hmm. something happens in TTSA, they just know that DeLong and Mellon left. And you make up the rest. So there's 20 different versions of what happened. There were, yeah, I think we all kind of had our speculations and our guesses as to what was going on. But I, and I think one thing he mentioned that we all kind of deduced ourselves was Chris Mellon is moving to what he does best. And that's speaking with people inside the government, using his contacts, like, you know, we've alluded that he was going to go back or really start hitting that hard again. And that was kind of confirmed to me by like what DeLong said in this interview, you know, the same, you know, I liked the part in the interview too. Like, I know we've had these discussions before about, and you really have dove deep on this about how Tom got the connections that he did. Yeah. And the way he explained it kind of has followed suit with how I've heard you lay it out there before too. It's like he had these connections and then they were like, you need to meet this guy. And then he yeah. talked about that tonight so, or yeah, in the yeah. podcast. So it was- and, and Jim did point out how he found out about DeLong, which is the version I told, yep. was I think it was Kit Green mentioned to him, hey, there's this DeLong guy. Have you ever heard of him? No, I never heard of the guy. And he's got, it's like he's got something going and he's talking to some people and then he, he didn't mention the number, but I think the story was that it happened in San Diego at a hotel where Tom DeLong was held up in this hotel for two days and Jim Semivan and five other agents quizzed him. Like, who are you talking to? Uh, why are they telling you this sort of stuff? And, and Semivan actually tells the story without getting into the fact of the hotel room. Yeah. And there were six of these agents. He said, we he went, said, we talked to him and then they offered to help. Okay, we can, we can help you. Mm -hmm. uh, because they realized that he had some sort of connection and the government was dealing with him, some people in the government. And they mentioned the thing that he mentioned was there was no classified information. So that's what happened in 2016. Along brings no, out his first he, book. And according to Semivan, there was no classified material in that book. Yeah, but 
And then he slid it right in there at the very end. He said there was no classified information in the book or that was leaked to him. And then he was like, but he was right on the money or right on the nose. Like, you know, he said it like real fast. And I was like, ooh, note that time. I got to go back and look at that to get a direct quote. But yeah, he did say, but he was right on the money. And it's like, on which part though? Like, <laughs> you know. Well, when you when you find that, send me the quote, I'll put it up because I'm, I'm putting up a lot of Jim Semivan's quotes on me. Well, and I don't know if a lot of people that are kind of new to this, I don't think they really realize that Tom's book, Secret Machines, was out before TTSA. It wasn't like TTSA and then Tom wrote this book. Like the book was there first. That was like his, like his manifesto, you know, like, and the stuff he was being told. That was as April of 2016. So it was about a year and a half before TTSA. And that's when Jim Semivan joins him in 2016 and writes the forward to the book. And yeah. that was the whole deal was when this book came out, every mm -hmm. in the government said, what's going on here? It's like, you know, this guy's talking to these high level people and all the intelligence people pick it up and they they want to contact Tom because they're trying to figure out who you're talking to because they're trying to figure it out yeah. as well. It was it was pretty interesting. And it's sort of, as you pointed out, I think it sort of fits the scenario that I built where yeah. people think, you know, that Tom built this whole thing himself. And no, he had these people come to him and offer to help him and send him to other places and stuff. And he handled it well. I give him Tom credit yeah. that he, he worked it very well in terms of uh, moving the thing along and financing it and this sort of stuff. But well, and I don't I don't know, you know, I think in our Wilson document discussions and those moments, well, man, that's almost a year and a half ago now, but when we, in those talks, when we discussed how, you know, 20 years ago, this brought to light some things that Greer had talked about back in the day, you know, I'm starting to look at Tom DeLong more in that light. It's like, you know, the last few years, it's been so back and forth. And this is just my personal back and forth, you know, it's not, I'm not anti anything that he says, curious observer at this point, but I, I almost wonder, you know, like the more we hear him speak like this, backed up with people like Semivan, you know, if we're going to have these aha moments, like we, we did a little bit, I just hope it doesn't have that big gap, like with the will documents and Greer, you know, I don't want it to be 20 years. I want, I would rather it be like sooner and we can just go, yeah, okay. Some of these things, you know, Tom is saying is on the money or it would be nice to have that, to just have faith in TTSA too. Like, you know, they're a good entity. They are moving this ball. There's just so much negative associated with our, our pillar foundations, I guess you could say, you know, like MUFON, everybody's back and forth on MUFON. You know, do you join? Do you not join? Do you participate? Do you not? Like, the arguments endless and i don't want ttsa to turn into that i i would rather both of them be like the go-to like they were 20 years ago it's like ufology turned to mufon turned to ttsa like we don't have to turn to the government like you know Are they, they haven't set up a, a task force hotline for the american public yet you know <laughs> 
Yeah, I think TTSA has gone the way of MUFON where there's people are just not going to accept it anymore. They just right. think it's a bad thing. But I think what we pointed out just before we started was the fact that when you see Tom DeLong in the situation where his kids are running around in the background and he doesn't sound crazy, he's not saying stupid things, he's talking about my opinion, you see him in a whole different light. That he's just some guy who got mm -hmm. very interested and he even said, I've made some mistakes. You know, right. and I, I've learned from Jim Semivan. It's sort of like Jim's telling him, don't say this, say this, how to how to handle it, because he was sort of talking off off his, you know, uh, you know. Well, I mean, there's times for wild speculation yeah. and then there's not like, <laughs> you know, what, what what do we laugh about? It's like you save the wild speculation for after the conferences, after the yeah. lectures at conferences, <laughs> you yeah. know, that's when you do that. And I don't know. It's just, it's gotta be hard. You know, I mean, I don't think I'm anywhere in the limelight and that kind of level, but you know, you do have to watch what you say publicly. And I mean, I, that's why I like this like high strangeness side of ufology because you don't always have to like preface it with I'm skeptical in so many ways that I'm not just going to be spoon fed anything, you know, and that's it. I think DeLong has realized that he does have to guard that mouth because it will be just picked apart and taken out of context. So, you know, and that's, I think, the biggest fault with Twitter. It's not that it's, it is a great way to connect, but being so limited to whatever, how many characters or how many words you could use, that's just, ugh, doesn't that kill any conversation? It's like, okay, well, you can't add to this conversation with body language or oh, yeah. any other means of communication. So you got to limit it. Like, no. That's why I use those little, I put it on um, into a PowerPoint slide and then I pull that so I can make yeah, it okay. as long as I want. And <laughs> uh, a question, um, did, did you talk to Melinda about this? Uh, and we, I have are, not, we got like, I've been, you know, I just told you I have a few days off in a row and that's oh, yeah. when I was just going to start making phone calls because I've been so, my hours have been so crazy, but Melinda's been on my list because I know that <laughs> I could just hear her like watching the interview, honestly, I could hear her like say, yes, yes, or I'm glad he talked about that or Jim, bring this up, you know, well, and Maybe we can do it tomorrow. If you're going to do the call to tomorrow or Sunday, we'll we'll I'll take see it. What she has to say because I would like to get her yeah. feedback because I, I liked how Simi Van talked about the release of the the report and how it is setting things up, and that has kind of I mean it was directly on par with what Melinda has shared with our panel discussions about how these things take time. You know, this will be like preliminary no threat no threat no threat you know yeah he that was significant when he said lot. there was no threat because tom you see the intro where mm -hmm. the guy actually mentions that tom believes in the threat and so semi van said it quite clearly uh i don't think they could care less about us that, that right they, they i think um i think tom really kind of cleared that up a little bit too because he did say well what was it it was something along the lines of we, we don't know the intent so you can like wildly speculate on all these horrible or good things so i think he was trying to dial back the threat talk a little bit but i don't know that's all that's like 
the 50 50 split right now it's like is it a threat is it not a threat that's everybody's hot topic but, it, but it's significant that's the fifth time uh um semivan has said that they, it is and it i think the other significant thing he said which i believe you that was one of the quotes you pulled and yeah. posted was you know i've been in you know this is what i career it is not the russians it's not the chinese it's not our tech yeah it's just not he said yeah it's just not and well and, and well what did he say he said the term i used in another podcast i think he said earlier was non-human yeah controlled <laughs> you know so and he even mentioned that in terms of the the uap report he said mm -hmm. when they stuck that in they had to stick it in it was like garbage i mean yeah. and he even criticized the report knowing because he knows how these reports are written that they right. had to stick that in there for whatever political reason or whatever so he was a little bit critical of the report but mm -hmm. um he you could tell that he was pretty honest about what he was he was saying and and a lot of times when semi van was talking like they asked him about skinwalker ranch and he yeah. said i don't know any more than you do so he was basically saying a lot of times I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know everything. Which falls in line to with some of the things we've speculated, you know, like we so many people think the government has all the answers, but like I know it comes up when we talk about craft retrievals a lot, you know. Okay, if they do have a chunk of a craft or part of a craft or if they've dug one up of archaeological site or these pieces that get flung off, you know, anytime you hear that they've worked on it, you, uh, there's also that, well, we didn't figure it out. So we threw it back in the hangar one or what are we, what are we calling it? Put it back in the shelf. Yeah. I did it come out that it was like at Bass's structure in Las Vegas. Like, has that come out recently? They're like, why would this stuff be at Bass? Like when anybody could walk up to it, it's like, I don't know. Do do strangers often walk into businesses when they're not supposed to? Like, yeah, yeah. I just thought that seemed weird. It's like <laughs> maybe if it's Grant Cameron trying to take pictures of the jump room building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But he he did mention um, the the one question he avoided, of course, which was what the some event, the one with the body. Yes, yes. Yeah. He wouldn't go there, but otherwise he seemed pretty open about. Uh, he didn't really evade any questions. He basically, yeah. if he didn't know, he said he didn't know, and mm -hmm. he was pretty optimistic about about what he thinks that he's just he's involved in this thing. He's very interested in. It. He didn't deny it. I was really impressed with Jim Semivan. I was. Yeah, I came across very honestly or the thing, the main thing I think he mentioned, and you know, this uh, was this whole deal about the disinformation. Yeah. To tell people yeah. what he did. I mean, he just he just said, I want to answer that. And he, yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> and well, he just said the government cannot work that way. That's anybody who thinks the government works that way. They don't understand how it operates like yeah. Yeah, that. That would be a campaign and they can't do a campaign like that against American, American citizens. People. It's a, it's illegal. Like, and you know, they brought up interesting points and at towards the end, you know, um, the co-host uh, who has theory of everything show, he did bring up 
well, what about MK Ultra? And, you know, went on with that. And Jim said, you know, that was back in, I went, when was that exposed? 1960 something. He's like, I'm not saying we didn't make our mistakes, but the government has gotten better with how they do things. Like, I think people forget, you know, that the United States really is a young country. Like, you know, we don't have these, we don't have five, six, 700 years of bureaucracy that needs reorganized. We only have 200 plus years. So we're still amending and getting things correct. So, I mean, and you spoke to that and we've talked about that before with these um, cosmic club players, you know, what, what's their motivation for being, you know, this involved. And I think seeing Jim speak the way he did in that interview, I, I think you could overlay that to a lot of these players that we talk about, you know, they do have a genuine curiosity. It's not this nefarious secret holding, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm in it for the power. Like, yeah. Although he did say at one point, he talked about, um, the idea that anybody who thinks that the government just dropped this thing in 1969 is fooling themselves. Mm -hmm. There's, I know I've been in government and I know they'd be all right. over this thing that in deep, some deep dark program, they may not have gotten anywhere with it, but mm -hmm. they definitely didn't ignore this problem. Right. And yeah, that was a good moment too. And I liked at the end too, when he, you know, he was expanding on the, this isn't Russian, this isn't China, this isn't ours. And he really kind of hit it home when he said, you know, this happens everywhere. This happens in the United States. It happens in Canada, it happens in South America. You know, he went on and listed places and, yeah. you know, that is important. I mean, this isn't yeah. an American issue. It's not just a military issue. That was the other thing too. Oh, I actually, I, I wanted to text Don Schmidt when I heard him talking about the Air Force. Oh, like yeah. all of, just this report is just the Navy, you know, so much done from the Navy. Where's the Air Force been? Why haven't we heard that? Like that was, that was great to hear Simi Van commenting on that. So yeah, he, he did volunteer some stuff. He, he, and it was personal stuff, but he was upset about this. And he's, I remember the one time he said, and we're, and we're not working for the government. Remember he yeah. said that? And that yeah. was clear. He was like, that's the whole deal. He's we're, retired. we're not working for the government. We're not a shill. Yeah. Yeah. And he yeah. was pretty, he's, he's sort of not angry, but he was, no, he was he pretty was straightforward <laughs> in trying to make that point that he, I guess he's tired of people talking about that. Mm -hmm. And because that's when they asked him the question, he said, I want to ask, I want to deal with that. Well, and he said, you know, they did that professional formality. They went to whoever they deemed they necessary. We are going to start working and focusing on this in the private sector. We'll keep you informed of what we do. We don't have to, but we will. And he said they didn't get any like pushback. Nobody was like, no, you can't. Yeah. You know, so, and I think that was, an important moment too when they brought up that for the first time they're able to openly discuss this in the halls of the pentagon yeah yeah and that's yeah. true i mean that's what impressed me the most is when you listen to them talk you're saying that's true that's true that's true it's like 
it came across as very honest and very yeah. uh, the way they talked. There was no there had no time in the interview that I say, "Ah, oh, come on, that's you know making up stuff." I, I never thought that once. No. I, I got a little worried with like cattle mutilations being early in the interview. I was like, where's this going to go? Like, how speculative are they going to get? Like, and no, even to hear him speak, you know, like cattle mutilations are happening. Like it's not, they didn't stop. There are thousands of them. And they did dive into a little bit of speculation or that was really more Tom DeLong. But then Semivan threw in his two cents later and said, yes, absolutely. Cattle mutilations are happening. It's associated with the phenomenon somehow. We don't really know, but seems like they're correlated. And that was a good moment too. And yeah. I think yeah. the one element that I, and I know this is just from like our pack of people we talk to and put really pushing that experiencers are, you know, a big part of this puzzle that gets overlooked. I, I really wanted Sammy Van to like throw in something about listening to experiencers, you know? Yeah. I hope that would have been there, but maybe in the future, you know, this is like the first time we've gotten this much publicly from him. So I hope we see more of that. You know, now that Lou is off on his own adventure, we kind of hoped that Sammy Van would step up and kind of be a face of TTSA. And I think, I think this is the beginning of that. Yeah. Let me read a little quote. And uh, I believe this is from uh, Ron Pandolfi and there's always the connection of What's the connection between Jim Semivan and Ron Pandolfi? Uh, but this is, um, I track this back, and this is, I believe, is the thinking of Ron Pandolfi. We can't track the phenomena, so we track the people correlated with the phenomena. The lights in the sky produce no usable information. On the other hand, there are many different types of contactees with many different insights, and maybe there are even visitors, however defined. So I asked Dan Smith, I, he's the one that produced that for me. And I said, would this be you, Dan, talking or would this be intelligence? And he said, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> so that sort of confirmed it. And that's the idea is that that's what I've always been maintaining is that um, you've got to watch the people that are interacting with the phenomena. And if you don't go there, you're never going to figure it out because they're the ones that are interacting with whatever this is that we're dealing with. So Jim is the experiencer. I know one person brought up today where they said, um, um, you know, there was no, um, he didn't see it as a threat. And then people started asking about his experience. And of course they wanted me to elaborate on his experience and I won't go there and neither will Melinda. I've heard the story of what happened yeah. and stuff like that. But he was, he, he I think the way he described it in the, the forward to Tom DeLonge's book is it shatters reality. Mm -hmm. Not that it was, uh, you know, this fearful thing where the aliens are going to eat him or whatever. It was just like he, he right. just shattered his reality of what he thought all the world worked. And so. Which is what most experiencers report, you know, they're like it. Even Valet said it. What was his quote in your interview? He said, I, I knew that, you know, this reality wasn't the only reality. And it, you know, changed my life's pursuit. Like. It was and something, I think, didn't yeah. Sammy Van bring up uh, Jacques Vallée in the interview? Didn't he say, I like uh, what Jacques was yes. saying? Because yes. this is this aspect that, that people don't want to believe. They want to believe 
And I've been down this road with people with this ET disclosure. Uh, they weren't going to give us ET disclosure. And it's like, well, maybe they're not giving ET disclosure because not ET. And Jim keeps going there uh, with this idea is we really don't know. This thing is beyond anything we can think about. That's why they call them the others. That's why Tom DeLong, they always call it the others. They don't call them ETs. It's because they may have bodies and he won't admit their bodies and pieces of crafts. But in terms of what is it, uh, just because you have a body doesn't mean it's an ET. They've started to realize that this, this is so, I think Jim was trying to make that point. This is so far beyond what you can imagine that mm -hmm. it's, it's not as simple as people think it is. No. The others and the invisibles are the two that I hear these upper echelon, the, how they refer to them. So, yeah. And the ultra terrestrial thing where they've always been here. And even uh, I met, brought it up on Jimmy Church's show, was the one that the guy from Politico, Brian Bender, talked about this um, Department of Defense study. And nobody's mm -hmm. gone down that road. Everybody's looking at, you know, ASAP and ATIP, whatever. This is another program. I believe mm -hmm. it's the ones that went to Jim, Jim Penniston for his DNA and that sort of stuff. And they, and according to Bender, they were looking at uh, maybe it's here, but a different here. And that's this idea. It's all one thing. It's all here. It's reality, different realities, different vibrations. And uh, you hear a lot of the beings talk about that. We've always been here, like the beings from England, when they told me, We've always been here. You're mm -hmm. the visitor. And it's this idea. And Jim goes there. And I like Jim because he does that. And I believe he's trying to get across a message. This may not be what you think it is. It is much more complex than people think it is. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what, you know, time will tell. And I, I liked that there, he also spoke with some confidence about like what he anticipates to come because that was also dinging with me, like with the little things that Melinda would share. And it's like, oh, well, yep, that, that's exactly kind of what Semi Van or Melinda said Semi Van said. So it'll be interesting to watch this play out. I mean, you know, if it was lottery numbers, I'd, I'd maybe pick those numbers. <laughs> Well, That's if you get the interview with Melinda for tomorrow or the next day, uh, let's do the inter interview, get her take on it. And then I'm going to ask her the question, how did you how did you feel getting the interview? You had three years to get an interview with this guy uh, on tape. And uh, somebody yeah, I think I already know what she's going to say, though. It's like that friend level thing, you know, because she's also told us like they were open. Jim was open to joining our our panels but we never did it the right way we had to you know go through the ttsa girl and send out an invite and coordinate it that way which we never did so we can't say that he won't talk and melinda missed anything. Oh, I, I didn't know that i didn't know that part of the story you didn't no oh. so we were supposed to go to ttsa to get an interview with jim semivan is that what it was we've we've got we've got a the the lady we're supposed to contact who's who books any interview or anything that they do. Oh, okay. So we have her contact info and oh, I didn't good. realize that get that didn't get sent to you. So my bad. Well, that's okay. No, I mean, you it's take that, away my, my assistant gold star. <laughs> I thought Melinda had some pull. I mean, she has some pull in terms of talking to Jim, but it always sort of, it didn't really go anywhere with, with Melinda that I think a lot of people, really just didn't believe mm -hmm. and didn't take 
seriously because when this whole thing about it's not a threat we heard that numerous times the mm -hmm. fact that they were going to push for money in congress we heard that three years ago and yeah. it just never got and then people would get it and they say oh look what they're doing and it's like oh we did we had, melinda told us that three years ago but nobody really listened to when we were putting it out through melinda and now i'm pretty sure everybody's gonna be all over the semi van interview but he really didn't say anything different that i heard no, it, what he told Melinda, we've, we've had all this stuff numerous times on our podcast. I think I had somebody, they were, they were trying to like share gossip or snidbits with me. And they're like, you just don't get excited about anything. I was like, I've heard this. I'm sorry. I've been talking about this for three months now. <laughs> and I don't mean that to be bad or, but it's like, I don't know when you kind of hear what is to come and then it does come out yeah it does take away a little bit of the excitement but was there anything know. in the interview that surprised you that you saw new i don't think there was really anything the the attitude i think was different where i saw tom DeLong in a much better light in terms of not coming across as a crazy guy but jim was basically repeating significant things that i think he's been talking about for a long time that people should whether they're going to believe him or not. I mean, he's, he's a guy that's at some sort of level where he would understand uh, more than you and I. I, I think it's, um, I think we're seeing some chess pieces being moved around and maybe some new collaborations. Cause you know, like I mentioned, um, Keating's involvement with the Galileo project now. So I think we're seeing some meetings of the minds kind of happen, you know, and, we did, we are seeing Simi Van step up, kind of, you know, showing his face now. So maybe that will continue, like, to replace kind of how involved Lou was with talking about the TTSA. But it'll it'll be interesting to see if, if that unfolds, like Tom said, too, you know, focus on the entertainment side, because that's what's established. Yeah. And as we all come out of this COVID funk, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they bring to the plate again. I don't think, I think the speculation that they're, they're tanking or they're done, you know, and I don't know, I even went back and forth a little bit. Like, is this the end? Like, are we going to see this, the, is this the beginning of their end kind of thing? But nope, I've, I've kind of gone the other way with my thinking now, like we're going to see a reboot almost you know i think maybe they're refocusing their efforts on really what they want to do next so yeah. it'll be and, fun and it's just not what people want people want you know pictures of flying saucers and stuff and they're they're going into the the media stuff which they that, that was nice hearing semivan comment on that alone just that the phenomenon almost doesn't want you to take its picture or plays yeah. this you know like if you go after it, then it disappears. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it was, it was awesome hearing him comment yeah. like and that. That fits, that's fits Skinwalker Ranch and it fits the theory of wow. And it's the, where Bigelow said when they asked Bigelow, what was it about? Well, all those years of Skinwalker Ranch, what was it about? And he mm -hmm. said, it's about messaging. It's about messaging and gaming. That's what it's about. And that was surprising too. Simi Van had said that he has never met Mr. Bigelow. Yeah. Uh, which leads to a, a controversial thing we'll have to bring up with Melinda, mm -hmm. which kind of mystifies me is, you know, that Jim said that Danny Sheehan 
is legal counsel to Semi Van uh, to uh, Lou Elizondo and to Mellon, but he's never met Jim Semivan. And he has harsh things to say about, you know, it's illegal. These the counterintelligence stuff is all illegal. He's breaking the law, whatever. And it would be, it's kind of make, makes me wonder why does Danny Sheehan not try to set up a meeting with Jim Semivan mm. in terms of, especially when they're all together because uh, right. they all work together. And he was dealing with um, uh, Lou Elizondo before he left PTSA. And the way I look at Semivan is he seems to be on Sheehan's wavelength. Like he's not going to fight with Sheehan that he right. may be able to answer Danny Sheehan's question. So I'm, I'm kind of puzzled why Danny doesn't try to set up a meeting with, um, with, might, uh, be, might just be stretched a little thin these days you know well he'd be spending a lot of time with Luel Zondo and if he wants to get to the bottom of it I mean uh in instead of like talking about Semivan in a third person I mean just the way I look at Semivan is for when I hear from the Bledsos and what I heard from the guy that originally told me who Semivan was and mm. and what he was doing and stuff like that and when you see him here he looks like a really reasonable guy he doesn't look like the evil CIA guy that yeah, you would think. And, and I, so, think I, I think I even thought, I was like, oh, he looks so little, little and cute. <laughs> Look at cute. And, and he is, he is, he's not very tall. He's actually a very short guy. So when you when you see him. Yeah, um, but you know, I mean, he looked like like somebody you'd walk up to at a barbecue. You know what I mean? He didn't look nefarious or spooky or yeah, the weird the weird 1960 furniture behind him that's what i noticed it was like what you know it's like his like 1960s house furniture is like kind of weird i love it see so maybe, everything that's old is new again so maybe we'll get melinda to set up an interview or a, a session between danny sheehan and uh break the ice get these two together i think that danny sheehan should be talking to Jim Semivan and clearing the air and uh yeah, that's the best part about our panel discussions too it's like have you noticed in almost every panel we host somebody's like oh hey you and then they start messaging off to the side and it's like before we know it like they've set up something and they're talking yeah, yeah. you know that's I love bringing people together like that so hmm yeah well set it up but let's set up Melinda and see what her take is on it and because she put some, the, the the thing she put on Facebook was kind of, it was kind of mysterious, something like I would post, as if she had something she wanted to talk about. And uh, he's learning, opinions. he's learning your tricks, but the tricks, yeah. The, another person I want to talk to you because I just finished reading their book was um, Alan. I want to talk to Alan Steinfeld. I know you you do a lot of his stuff yeah. and you guys have known each other and I piled around with him at Laughlin for a while and he gave me a copy of his book and I finally read it. So now I want to bring him on and talk oh, about yeah. all Alan, he's, he's so. easy. He, he's doing the interviews for his book. I'll, I'll do that. You set up the Melinda one. I could do that too. Yeah. Whenever with Alan, I we've stayed in touch since then, but yeah, it's, I haven't told him I finished the book. So there you go. Yeah. He'll be, he'll be now that he'll be. I know him, you're the same way. Now that I talk to you so much, anytime I read anything of yours, I hear your voice. <laughs> <laughs> and now Alan's the same way. It's like when I was reading his book, it's like Alan narrated it. So it was great. Do, do I narrate very fast? Do I talk very fast? In my I narration? slow you down. I do I slow, slow you down. down. <laughs>
But no, that's perfect. I love that. I think every author needs to narrate their own books yeah, <laughs> or I need well, to listen to them so I can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, yeah. we'll leave it at that and yeah. we'll we'll go with the next one with uh, Melinda and we'll do some of these panels and uh, yeah, uh, when, we, when we discuss the um, what's the name of Bledsoe Knows? Is that the name of the show? Bledsoe, Bledsoe Says So. Bledsoe says, says so. Yeah. Like. So listen to that. We'll do on the weekend. We'll do one on that because what he talks about is the phenomena. Yeah. What is What does he believe the phenomena is? And he mentions Tim Taylor. He actually starts using his name now. He doesn't call him Tyler D anymore. He calls him Tim Taylor. Talks about the Cosmic Club. He talks about Jim Semivan. So we'll have a, a discussion about that. And uh, he describes Jim Semivan the same way I've heard Jim Semivan. That he's just a straight guy, had yeah. an experience, very interested, not the evil the, CIA guy. The um, which one did we just post, or whichever discussion we just had um, a few days ago? We I think um, the Bloodsos came up a little bit, and then that was actually a few of the comments as people were asking more about the Bloodsos story, and I directed them to the few um, interviews or panel or not panels but slideshows that you've done when you've been discussing Bledsoe's work but maybe you could do an update on all of that it you never did like a full like segment of this is it but it's been sprinkled into some others I think to where yeah, you can I, I, I did the one where I had him flying the craft mm -hmm. um, I did we have one where he joins a rabbit hole in Boulder Colorado a number of years ago yeah, and I thought Desta had it, but we're going to post that. And the other one is that most people don't know is I had I wrote the entire Bledsoe story in a book called uh, Alien Bedtime Stories. I have okay. the majority of the story, all the stories in there. So it. when I hear him talking about this stuff, I go, "Oh, that's in the book. That's in the book. That's in the book." And uh, so I, I, I think I've got it pretty accurate. I thought it was in that book, but I wasn't sure. So yeah, I'll go in and drop that into the comments for whoever was asking. Cause yeah, that's yeah. where you can find most of your work on the blood or most of your research with the yeah. blood. So. And, and, and now he, the way they're describing him is, um, you know, this top experience that everybody's paying attention to. and they even bring up Trump and they bring up Biden. They talk yeah. about the fact that he's briefed to uh, Biden but I knew when I had the experience in 2013, he was a real deal. Mm -hmm. And that's when I wrote up his story. Well, that, that was another thing you were kind of privy to. It was, um, you knew the Bledsoe's were being approached from somebody in Hollywood about wanting to make a movie. And that was. Yeah, and, and they also mentioned the thing with Tom DeLonge mm -hmm. where he confirms it again that, and I was in a meeting with, uh, with Tim Taylor and a guy by the name of uh, Mark Olson and Mark uh, Leon, big business guys, and they were advising Chris Bledsoe on the movie. That's when Warner Brothers was gonna do the movie. And then that sort of fell apart because Chris wouldn't allow them to have the, they wouldn't allow Chris to have the control of the end of the movie. And he always wanted to be called the message and it was the message that the woman, the, the lady in light had given him for the world and the warnings and stuff like that. And then uh, in this interview, you'll hear this uh, phenomena part four of Bledsoe uh, they actually talk again about Tom DeLong, and I heard that as well. That mm -hmm. Tom DeLong offered like big money, huge. You would not even believe the money, production money. But they wanted to put reptilians in the movie at the end. They wanted to have this sort of a 
of good aliens versus bad aliens. And Chris Bledsoe had walked away from it. And Ryan brings that up. And the fact that Chris has walked yeah. away from millions and millions and millions of dollars for principle, that they're not going to do it unless they're going to tell the true story. You know, that's what's brought up so often among experiencers in Hollywood. It's like you or just ufologists in Hollywood, like you don't have to exaggerate this stuff. Like you don't have to twist it around. It's interesting enough. Like yeah. don't mess with it. <laughs> but but that's what they want in Hollywood is they always want the the adversarial, the the duality. The good guys right. versus the bad guys, the Americans win and the aliens are killed and and everybody lives happily ever after and we sing God bless America. But yeah. that's that's the kind yeah. of thing they want. They want it, when it's not adversarial, they don't sell as many tickets. It's like a you know a cage match. They, you need a cage match going on. And that's well, what, what they want to do to Chris Bledsoe's story. Ones, you know what the suspenseful ones, like the intrigue, like those yeah. are the ones that stand the test of time. Not, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's my thoughts, but it'll be interesting to see what's what's coming up over the next few weeks. And I know everybody was on fire, and I was about jj abrams ufo four-part thing and we can maybe discuss that some other time too after you watch it you haven't watched it yet so i don't have tv so but i, I i've heard all the comments and uh, people are not very happy about it and everybody seems to be and and abrams was going to do chris Bledsoe's story he was I know, and that's why i'm kind of like maybe Bledsoe dodged a bullet with that one like yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll leave it at that, and uh, let me know about the uh, interview uh, for once you've listened to Chris Bledsoe's or Ryan Bledsoe's podcast. We'll talk about that and set up yeah. something with uh, Melinda for the next couple of days. We'll get busy. Yep. Now that okay. I'm uh, out of the restaurant, there you go. <laughs> back in the interview chair, but it was great talking with you, Grant. We'll talk okay. soon. Okay. Wonderful. Thanks. Bye. Bye. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.